And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Hi, this is Tom Laurie. Thank you for joining us. I am going to be your host today. Are you really interested in learning about what it takes to succeed in life and career? Then this is the show for you. Our cover story today is The Heart and Art of Business. Our guest mentor today, coming to us from Las Vegas, just to show you that not everything that goes on in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, is Dr. Valerie Weber, and she'll be joining us in a minute. First, I'd like to touch on an article that uh, was in the Wall Street Journal recently titled, In Search of the Perfect Team, Who Works Best with Whom? Now we know. As many of you may know, there is a lot of discussion and many books being written today about collaboration and innovation and people working together. And it's one of the key concepts that's being developed in business schools and in the, uh, uh, the graduate programs as well. Alistair Shepard, who founded a consulting firm, Sabre, did some work a number of years, a few years ago, about what it makes for a great team. And what he found, uh, in summary, is that those in which people have the most tolerance for their teammates' perspectives are those teams that work the best. Those teams in which people had the greatest diversity in personalities also are the teams that work best. That means a mixture of introverts and extroverts, improvisers and organizers. Google found that the best teams created a culture of psychological safety, which means that people on a team could share thoughts, ideas, and concerns without ridicule or punishment. And this uh, is very similar if anyone's ever gone through an AA program or Al-Anon program. I happened to go through Adult Children of Alcoholics program years ago. And that program, you speak what you have to you say what you have to say, but no one can critique it. You have to listen. You have to learn to listen to other people. That is a critical element to a well-performing team. There are no right answers for organizing groups. It is uh, most important also that the people who are part of a group are motivated by the same values. A number of consulting firms are now emerging to assist companies to help them identify what is working in groups and what is not. They're even using wearable devices that can track who's talking to whom and how they're talking to each other. The most successful groups have some other characteristics that they share. Uh, One is that each member of the team is truly engaged. That means everyone talks and listens in equal measure, and they talk with everyone, not just their manager or with their buddy. There are a diversity of ideas, and everyone is willing to consider new ideas. Everyone is setting goals for the project, exploring different things for the project, but they are all moving in the same direction. You can ask yourself, in those situations where you are working with others, whether it's in a for-profit, non-profit, or a government organization, how you're all working together. Some questions about working with someone with a given trait. Think about those who often try to do things independently. Those who are asking for recognition when they've done something well. Those who try to turn work into fun for themselves those who stick to the rules as written, and those who look for the kind of power that a leader would have. For each of these uh, characteristics, you should ask yourself a question, how you feel about working with these type of people. And And there are five questions, or five answers. I would really like to. I would like to. I would feeling different about them. I would not like to, and I'd really not like to. That'll give you some idea about whether or not these people are those the types of people that you can work with and give you a measure 
for yourself and a metric on how to measure your interaction with these people. So we are going to now go to break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Dr. Valerie Weber from Las Vegas on the art and heart of business. Ah, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. What do a stay-at-home mom, a college student, and a firefighter have in common? They're all HopeInACan.com work-from-home business owners. Join our team and you can be the same. You'll work from home, full-time or part-time, around your schedule. You'll be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And you'll make a difference in people's lives here and around the world. In 1995, Dr. Ted Kalagris, the research doctor behind a nutritional company, wanted to do more. He launched a foundation to bring nutrition to the poor worldwide. Now, this award-winning company feeds more than 42,000 malnourished children every day. Be part of something bigger than yourself. Earn a paycheck of the heart helping others while you earn extra income. Call us toll-free at 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com to learn more. That's hopeinacan.com, hopeinacan.com. Because you're active in your church, you may have wondered, how can we maintain the quality of our stained glass windows? What is their value? What would repairs cost? You can get a no-cost analysis of your church's stained glass windows at willethauser.com to help you make the best decisions for restoration or new windows. A free inspection and evaluation of your church's windows by the Willethauser Artisans can answer your questions. Over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience. Willethauser.com And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, this is Tom Laurie again. I'm your host for today. And Dr. Valerie Weber is going to be our guest mentor. And we're going to be talking about the art and heart of business. Valerie has been in Las Vegas for 27 years. She went there and worked for a number of years as a technical director in a blood laboratory, United Blood Services. She went on to the University of Phoenix to get a master's degree and then was on the faculty there for 10 years. She was involved in developing a strategic plan for Las Vegas and went on to serve three two-year terms in the Nevada State Legislature. Today, she is a faculty member for the College of Southern Nevada in Business Administration, and she just got her doctorate in Human and Organizational Systems from Fielding Graduate University in Santa Barbara. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you, Tom. I'm excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Well, why don't you just tell us, a little, fill in the blanks a little bit. Uh, I'm really, I talk a little bit about what took you down. I, I'm interested a little bit about your work in the blood services world, the blood laboratory. And then uh, what got you involved in politics? That makes you a little bit different than most people. From somebody <laughs> that's gone in the business and then you went to school, you taught and found yourself in the uh, public sector. Yes, um, I. You know, it's it's funny when I look at where I've been on this uh, tour of life, on the journey, if you will. That uh, it's it's been. Uh, I can't say that I always knew there was design in my approach, like so many find themselves in business today. But in my background, I have my undergraduate degree is in biological science, so I learned the scientific method and was able to. Uh, serve in the capacity of being in, uh, I guess, the, in charge of the technical operations here in Las Vegas. That's what actually brought me here. Um, and when you're dealing with the blood supply, you want that to be, you know, a critical point where every T is crossed, every I is dotted, and overseeing the functions and the processes there is is where I began in Las Vegas, and which led me to, you know, as so many of us in business. 
uh, you find that after a while, after being in a business situation, you want to go back and find new insights and new learning. And that's when I went back to school to uh, look at the people side of business. I've seen the process side and uh, through a couple of years um, being at uh, University of Phoenix, I uh, looked at the people side and I thought, well, these couldn't be farther apart. And yet they're very integrated and the connectivity between processes and uh, strategy, all of those kinds of things with people it dawned on me that this is an area that I really felt comfortable uh, with and then, you know, adding teaching on top of it and then ending up with this terminal degree of uh, being in human and organizational systems was just like the icing on the cake. And I love being able to talk with you about these topics. And what, or I say who, who mentored you, let's say, as you got into your degree in biological sciences? What was the inspiration? And then uh, what was the inspiration as you moved out of biological sciences into organizational uh, behavior? Well, uh, I would say that, you know, I came from a family where my dad's side of the family had been through professional education. Um, my mom's side not so much. And in that process, I kind of found people just as I was on my walk through these programs. And um, I, I've actually had during my lifetime, a couple of life coaches, and, and asked the hard questions, like so many of us would just, so many of your audience would like to have, I'm sure, someone ask them hard questions about where are you going to go with what you want to do and what is it you want to do to begin with anyway? And then how can that serve people? And that was my own question, um, having this high level of, of wanting to serve others. It's just always been with me through my whole life. And um, being able to apply that in various situations, whatever the business may be, and in different types of environments was always the, the challenge for me. But I, along that way, as, as you're inquiring, is I had a couple of coaches that asked me the tough questions like, what do you want to do with what you're doing now? And what is it going to morph into later? And then how are you going to grow your leadership? And what does that look like? And how do you know when you're, you know, getting to that next milestone and you need another growth spurt? So um, I was fortunate to have at least two life coaches that helped me along the way. And when you said that you wanted to serve others, one of the complaints uh, that we hear often from society around business is the profit motive. How do you reconcile serving others with the profit motive? Well, I, I guess my, my worldview is that business in and of itself is one of the pillars of society, uh, you know, meaning that uh, business is an influencer on uh, not only its internal folks or its internal stakeholders, but on the external stakeholders as well as whether you're a bank, whether you're the community, whether you are the school down the street that may be the future employer, all those kinds of things. And uh, with business uh, being one of the, the pillars of a society, also, you know, alongside of the family, governmental entities, media, education, um, our uh, spiritual or religious affiliations, and of course, the creative side of all of it in the, in the entertainment um, and uh, cultural uh, arts area as well. And so I think that business, um, I, I guess because I find myself looking at the sociologic impact of business on a community that business actually serves a bigger function other than, oh, we, you know, the basic uh, uh, graduate school or business school definition of, oh, we're in the business of, of goods and services in order to make a profit. Well, I would suggest to all of us um, to really ponder that perhaps the definition is quite larger than that and encompasses more individuals, um, more groups, more stakeholders, and through that process, that profit 
this is kind of my new uh, definition, uh, Tom, is that profit is a reward for doing well in providing those services and jobs and strategies that work within that area or within a community or even on a global on the global stage as well. And it's certainly important for sustainability. Oh, you, oh yes, of course. <laughs> you have to make a profit to stay in business. That's what I always uh, talk with my students in the classroom to say, you know what, yes, the basic definition is, yes, you, you must make more than you spend. So, uh, and, and then, you know, if, whether you're reinvesting it back into the business or you're, you're financing new equipment, whatever it may be, but the goal is that, yes, you need to end up on the positive side and not actually not end up there, but to be intentional about it. Well, I think one of the failures of business education today, certainly at the graduate level, is that we don't do enough teaching students about economic history. And uh, few people really understand how good business has been for this country historically. Do you, in your uh, work in Las Vegas, uh, both at the University of Phoenix and the College of Southern Nevada, do they offer any courses on economic history and the role of capitalism in the United States? You know, I believe that that could be shored up. Uh, I think that there, there's opportunity there to really strengthen the student's uh, foundational approach to business. Um, I, I believe uh, that that is probably a, an area that uh, it is, is not evident to the student. Um, you know, the nuts and bolts of business, yes, but you know what, how did we get here and why is it important to continue in this vein and in these new directions, especially on innovation. And you certainly know that firsthand from your background in innovating of, uh, in, in the m- medical devices, as I understand. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do we get our students to get there? Because, you know, it's like, oh, history. Oh, I don't think we like that. But yet... It's fascinating to put it all together to move forward to go, okay, we've, been, we've moved from here to here, but we're heading to a farther there. So how does it all go together, and, and how does it affect me uh, as a, either a consumer or business owner or you know, the, any of the other stakeholders involved in that dynamic? Well, capitalism is a very agile and flexible way of allocating capital rather than a planned economy. And we've certainly seen that in other uh, cultures where they've had a planned economy and they have not been able to react to changes required by society as quickly as we have here in the United States. Uh, As I like to point out to people that if you um, look back to 1900, the top 100 companies are certainly have a different uh, makeup than they do today. Back in the 1900s, you would have things like railroads and possibly the steel industry, maybe coal. Coal. You go to 50s, you've got the automobile industry. You have oil coming in today. It's healthcare, uh, insurance products, and so on. So the the top 100 companies really uh, mirror, or 500 companies, however long you want to go, mirror what the society is demanding uh, in terms of services and products uh, to continue to evolve. And that's a clear uh, example of how uh, business and capitalism reacts to the needs of a society. Uh, It's something I've noticed over the years, and it's something that it's interesting. A lot of people don't really pay a lot of attention to, and and, and as a result, they can't really defend capitalism. And uh, one of my great concerns is obviously moving towards a planned economy, uh, which I hope we don't move in that direction. But that's kind of my take on that as well. I think your point is well taken when you take a look again as you're talking about the economic timeline and the creation of jobs that have emerged out of that same timeline and where some have withered and new opportunities have uh, have uh, uh, occurred and have been created. And I think what it, I'm kind of visualizing as you were talking in the whole tech arena that uh, jobs of even 25 years ago have morphed into a totally different uh, uh, format, if you will. And even uh, looking at, because part of what I do in the classroom is we look at the business side, but we also look at the consumer side to understand 
what is driving what business does, as you suggest, on this consumer demand. And as we move towards AI or artificial intelligence and, you know, driverless cars, uh, you know, we don't need you know, to order meals through the drive-up anymore. You could just go to a kiosk and, you know, things will happen and how that is uh, changing the, the focus. But it, it also is creating new knowledge in areas that before were just um, more focused on the manual labor side instead of the, the knowledge level side, which is it's going to be fascinating to continue to watch it. And along the way, when new jobs are created, that we as uh, business owners as, and employees of companies, because most people are employed by other people, that how we keep our job skills active current and actual future looking and forward looking well let's dig in on that after we return from the break uh, this is tom laurie and we're talking with dr valerie weber my name is nick jordan i'm the founder of wells of life i'm here to tell you that there are 10 million people in uganda without access to clean water imagine your water comes from a stream or pond shared with animals Imagine that this water is loaded with parasites and disease. Each day, you have to walk three miles to fetch this because it's all the water there is. So what can you do about this? The great news is you can do a lot. Go to wellsoflife.net and make a personal donation. Talk to your family, church, or company about funding your own well. Every penny goes to fund your well and will bring water and life to as many as a thousand parishioners in rural Uganda for up to 20 years. In this jubilee year of mercy, why not make this your act of mercy in Jesus' name? Go to wellsoflife.net and make a personal donation. Wellsoflife.net All Catholics are invited to join the Young Catholic Professionals, YCP for short, National Movement. One of the nation's fastest-growing Catholic organizations, with chapters in 15 cities nationwide and international interest, YCP was founded by peers to inspire young professionals to work and witness for Christ. YCP's programs are designed to help young people at every stage of the journey to grow as Catholics and as professionals. Our members use their experience to become ambassadors of the faith in the public square, forming tomorrow's leaders to step forward in their communities, parishes, and workplaces. There's an opportunity for Catholics of all ages to get involved. Visit our website, youngcatholicprofessionals.org, youngcatholicprofessionals.org, to learn more about how you can get involved in this exciting apostolate. That's youngcatholicprofessionals.org, youngcatholicprofessionals.org. What would happen if you or a loved one passed away suddenly? It might be difficult to think about, but prearrangement is very easy to do. It saves you money and it's a huge relief on you and your family when the need arises. Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services is a nonprofit diocesan ministry with a compassionate staff and many beautiful sacred locations from which to choose. We specialize in guiding you through the entire end of life process, making decisions easy and faith driven for you now and for your loved ones later. Call now to learn more at 800-498-4989. That's 800-498-4989. Learn how easy it is to plan ahead. Call Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services at 800-498-4989. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. We're talking about art and heart of business with Dr. Valerie Weber from Las Vegas, Nevada. We were talking before the break about knowledge that's gained as we moved into new areas, and that actually lit up a light bulb in my head about things I've seen over the years. And when somebody goes into an area, let's take AI, you brought that up, and if they get in early in an area in AI and learn about that, uh, they can catch the wave because there's a lot, it's early in its uh, uh, our understanding of it, and if you get in early, you're going to grow with it. I, I 
I don't know if you can comment on that, but that that's one of those things, rather than getting involved in something that's yesterday, getting involved in something that's today. I would agree. I Just uh, as you're talking again, I was visualizing back to the days of, you know, the space program and when it was in its infancy and how as a nation we were drawn to this because President Kennedy had issued that he threw the gauntlet down and said, we will have a man on the moon. And it's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, we're really going to do this. As well as I remember the, the TV show, The Jetsons, and I'm probably dating myself to your audience, but I hope they'll bear with that all these little um, from uh, from the cartoon uh, uh, era that we saw all these innovative things that involved AI and how it's been a fascination with, you know, over a generation, you know, when the, the Star Trek uh, era came along and Star Wars, which continues. So it, there is this curiosity that continues in this vein. And I think it's a, we're just seeing the, just the tip of uh, beginning to see the change there. Well, I started my career in aerospace, and I was one of those oh. people who left aerospace for healthcare. And what we did, uh, all of us who left uh, the aerospace industry in the 1970s, is we brought with us the state-of-the-art technology that really lifted healthcare through the 70s, 80s, and 90s with regards to new medical technology. So I caught the wave early in healthcare uh, based on uh, my experience in the aerospace industry. Oh, that's great. So it carries over. What It does. It just it, it morphs into the, the future, which sounds like an odd way to say it, but you take the base of one industry and see how that thread can apply to a new area and re-innovate again and, uh, you know, bring new product services and, you know, new quality to people's lives. Yes. You teach organizational management and you've been in the business school, uh, both at uh, Phoenix and now at uh, the College of Southern Nevada. A question, we got a question here from Dave, who's at Hill Air Force Base in Ogden. And he wants to know, is it worth him to spend time and money? He's in the Air Force. Uh, he plans to get out. But does it, is it worth time to spend time and money into getting a, a business degree or going on and getting an MBA degree? Uh, what, what would be your advice to somebody like that? And are there specific courses or areas that he should focus on, particularly with all the changes that are going on in our uh, economy? I have many students um, that come through my courses that – are either uh, active military, reserves, um, veterans, uh, the whole circle of, of uh, military. And I guess the position that I work from is that we all can be learners, lifelong learners. And especially if you've come from one model, especially the military, very process-driven and which is great because you don't want a lot of, you know, oh, let's innovate on this program over here and, you know, you lose lives. I mean, the, the, the focal point is to, you know, keep the, 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 the armed forces safe and also to win battles, win, you know, the, whatever the conflict may be. But going and taking that knowledge and applying it to the civilian sector, um, my my great or excuse me my uncle uh, Paul did that. He was in uh, military intelligence and took his knowledge when he left the military. He went into uh, he graduated USC with a degree in management. Now that's not um, MBA as your guest suggests, but it's still it's a, a, a graduate level business courses and use that to. Uh, help the uh, civilian sector and uh, in the area of GPS, because when you look at things like GPS was uh, started by the military in that area to help soldiers in the field. And now we use it to figure out how to get to wherever we're going on our vacation in Italy, which I plan to do in October. So I'm hoping I'll, I'll have the, the fruits of his labor in my car as I'm in a foreign country. So uh, there's so much application for those who have been in the military and now want to contribute, continue their contribution for uh, in, uh, in the private sector or maybe even the public sector for that matter. But 
it, there's so many possibilities, so many. Well, and today our president announced that there's going to be an overhaul of the air traffic control system, and I believe they're going to uh, put it in the private sector. But we're going to move to a GPS system rather than a radar system, and I can only imagine, because that system is so complex, the number of jobs that are created, the number of opportunities that are going to be created, and also the amount of learning, because that's such a gigantic, complex system that anybody that gets involved with the implementation of a new air traffic control system is going to uh, be able to ride that wave and learn a great deal. I would agree. I think that um, having those two sectors produce even a, a third alternative to things that we already know and can project into the future to make safety number one, of course, is you know for air travel, and and then on top of it, the efficiency that is needed to move all of these aircraft around the world. It's, it's fascinating. And I didn't get to hear all the speech, but I heard that, I just saw the beginning of it. So thanks for uh, completing the cycle that it was to be a GPS, GPS-based system. I did not hear that. Which, you know, that means satellites are going to be launched and all sorts of uh, yeah. state-of-the-art. Now, one of the things that's fascinating is that you were drawn to run for the state assembly in Nevada. What was the uh, influence uh, there uh, uh, with you taking on the role in the public sector as an elected official? It, <laughs> I would say, you know, it's interesting because you asked earlier about having a mentor. Um, there, I'd been in Las Vegas at the time. Uh, let's see, I had been here about 10 years, I guess it was. And there was a vacancy in the House or the Assembly, like the system is set up in California. The, we, our system here in Nevada is similar to California in your legislature. Um, and somebody uh, had, since there was this opening or vacancy, it was going to be an open seat. And I got a phone call and from this individual I'd known a long time and says, are you interested in running? And of course, as some of us that look at ourselves and we're not sure what that even means. Um, I thought about it. I gave myself 24 hours and asked several people that I would consider my inner circle. And I hope that those in your audience that are developing leaders um, and, and we're working with their mentors actually have an inner circle of those that you value as uh, individuals that give you advice that you can uh, really uh, cogitate and and uh, work forward in in making a tough decision. Anyway, I've got this phone call, and um, Let's, uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to cut the break, and we're going to come back and dig in on that because I want to hear more about that after the break. This is Tom Laurie. We've been talking with Dr. Valerie Weber about the heart, the art and heart of business, and we're going to be talking more about her role as a state legislator for the state of Nevada. You can find us online at thementorsradio.com. That's thementorsradio.com. If you have any questions or want to send us any letters, uh, we appreciate it. I certainly appreciate all the great response I've received so far. Thank you. See you after break. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration, and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why. This is a church, a church that might be like yours, with beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willett Hauser Architectural Glass. Willett Hauser did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. 
Then they're craftsmen with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience brought the church's stained glass windows back to life. Willethauser.com. Ah, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Mentors. I am your host today, Tom Laurie, and we're talking with our guest mentor, Dr. Valerie Weber, on the art and heart of business. Dr. Weber has served in the legislature, the State Assembly for Nevada, for three terms, and we're talking a bit about how she found her way into the political process. I, I Before we go to uh, Dr. Weber, I, I will say that in my experience in business, uh, I've learned over the years, and I'm in the medical business, which is highly regulated, that you um, can be the best manager or executive in the world, walk on water and still fail, because there's so much that goes on in the state legislature, as well as the federal legislature, that can determine the outcome of your business. So I'm fascinated with uh, those people who have mixed a career in the world of business with the world of politics. And I know, and I'd love to hear from you a little bit, Valerie, about some of the things you've learned, you learned while you were in the state legislature, particularly as it relates to the world of business. Well, uh, I, to me, at number one, it was a, the, I tell my students, it was the coolest job I ever had, Tom. <laughs> and I, I say that from three levels. Um, number one, I, well, number two, I guess, I grew up in a very political family, and we were always talking about current events. My dad was a small business owner. My mom ran the books, did all of that. So we saw firsthand a small business in action. And whenever government is in session, whether it's city council or your county supervisors in California here, we call it commissioners, uh, state legislature or the federal level, um, there can be mischief done there to your business. So to, uh, be, as business owners, we need to pay attention. Uh, but my journey began, I was uh, involved with my political party. My father actually ran for city council when we lived in, in Vallejo in Northern California when I was a kid. And so our family always had these conversations. When the opportunity came along, um, it was it just landed in my lap, shall we say? Um, and I ran, I prevailed. I'll tell you, it was heart wrenching. I walked door to door, all those kinds of things to connect with voters. Uh, and going to the legislature, I had no idea what I was supposed to do, to be quite honest. So I, I talked about my journey in the legislature before we talked about the business portion of it or what I learned is that I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, and then the, the, the next term I went back, I found out what I didn't know. And then the final term was kind of the political uh, uh, reality is I now knew what I didn't want to know. And there, there's that aspect of politics and it's not for the faint of heart. But what I did learn along the way is that business Need, if, you're, if you have a business, you need to be involved watching what's going on in politics because it affects your business. And whether that's, you know, firsthand that you write your legislators about a particular piece of legislation or you join forces with a chamber of commerce or an association management group that would have a lobbying arm just so your voice is heard. And that's also on the national level for retailers or for other businesses, for medical equipment or whatever it may be that is your area. Because if you're a business owner, you're spending your time running the business and developing your folks, and you need that extra help so that your business is protected while you're running your business. 
Uh, I learned about the flow of money, how that works through taxation. I actually sat on taxation committee. I sat on ways and means. So I got to see the taxation portion and I got to see the budget side. And it, it's, it's fascinating. I think if you really have an interest, any of your uh, listening audience that especially in California, since your legislature there is year-round. We in Nevada are a part-time legislature. In fact, I believe their session uh, is just going to be ending this week, and they go every other year because we are a small state. We have 2.8 million people. California has about 37 million. So I tell my students here in the Silver State, the Golden State has 17 people. We have one for every one of their 17. So you guys are a little bit bigger operation over there. But it, it was extremely valuable to see things from a high level and how government works, how the flow of money goes to local government, how property taxes work in their sales tax. In our state, of course, we have gaming tax, which used to be the biggest revenue generator and no longer is. It's uh, actually sales tax. Uh, and, and how those ebb and flow over the years as businesses innovate, as you suggested earlier in our segments, as, as new knowledge comes about and uh, we, we innovate forward into the future. Now, one of the things that we discussed briefly when we first talked was uh, the college student and the need for critical thinking. Could you comment on that? I find, and maybe some of your audience does as well, that um, my students, uh, and I teach, you know, community college has, you know, your first year, your freshman, and your sophomore level, and then they can complete a degree if they have the proper amount of credits toward uh, their associate's degree, and they can take that and move to uh, another higher education uh, college university to complete a four-year degree. Um, in my courses, I have the students do a lot of writing. Um, we'll, we'll take a topic in a textbook, and uh, I will have them tell me, well, based on this particular topic, what do you see in your own business, and I would like you to weigh in on it. Um, and how they think and they cogitate and reason is needs development. Um, and I, I don't know if this is a nationwide problem or if it's a, you know, a state issue with us that the K-12 programs, it, it would be, if I were advising, I would say that more critical thinking skills are needed. And I teach my students that to, in order to make an argument, you need to have uh, re- reasons you need a claim, reasons and evidence uh, to support your 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 claim by way of your argument, and it's it's difficult for them to do it. So I try to teach them along the way, so that they can apply some of the things in their textbook, and they can use that as support to uh, real life case studies that I give them. So that's where we began, in, at least in my view of of the coursework that I govern. So you've had a background in STEM with the biological sciences. You've yes. learned to look at things from an evidence base. Uh, this is one of the things that uh, a lot of uh, people haven't had the benefit of uh, taking a program or a course of studies in the STEM area. And we will do a show on STEM. It's one of the key things uh, that's needed in our society, and it certainly adds to a lot of thinking. I have an engineering background, and I found that Mm. the critical thinking as an engineer has helped me a great deal in my career. We're going to come back in a minute after a break, and we'll continue our discussion with Dr. Valerie Weber from Las Vegas on the art and heart of business. What would happen if you or a loved one passed away suddenly? It might be difficult to think about, but pre-arrangement is very easy to do. It saves you money, and it's a huge relief on you and your family when the need arises. Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services is a nonprofit diocesan ministry with a compassionate staff and many beautiful sacred locations from which to choose. We specialize in guiding you through the entire end-of-life process, making decisions easy and faith-driven for you now and for your loved ones later. Call now to learn more at 800-498-4989. That's 800-498-4989. 
Learn how easy it is to plan ahead. Call Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services at 800-498-4989. You need a break. This August, enjoy seven days at a stunning villa nestled in the hills of Tuscany, Italy for a -a one-of-a-kind symposium. You'll savor private walks in unspoiled countryside, majestic vistas overlooking olive groves and vineyards, a swimming pool, tennis court, and a private chef to delight your palate with the finest Italian cuisine. Day trips to Florence and Siena, insider tours of some of the world's greatest treasures in art and architecture, lectures and seminars from world-class speakers, including Dr. Michael Eshleman with National Review, Dr. Jeffrey Lehman of Hillsdale College, and noted art historian Monsignor Timothy Verdon, director at the Museum of the Famous Duomo in Florence. You'll experience relaxed, engaging discussions with like-minded new friends. Refresh your spirit. Awaken your sense of wonder. Go to TuscanyTrip.org to learn more. That's TuscanyTrip.org. TuscanyTrip.org. What do a stay-at-home mom, a college student, and a firefighter have in common? They're all HopeInACan.com work-from-home business owners. Join our team and you can be the same. You'll work from home, full-time or part-time, around your schedule. You'll be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And you'll make a difference in people's lives here and around the world. In 1995, Dr. Ted Kalagris, the research doctor behind a nutritional company, wanted to do more. He launched a foundation to bring nutrition to the poor worldwide. Now, this award-winning company feeds more than 42,000 malnourished children every day. Be part of something bigger than yourself. Earn a paycheck of the heart helping others while you earn extra income. Call us toll-free at 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com to learn more. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, this is Tom Laurie with our guest mentor, Dr. Valerie Weber, and we're talking about the art and heart of business. And speaking about the heart of business, <laughs> Dr. Weber has done some very interesting things in the area of nonprofits, both working with women who were pre- are pregnant and helping them work through that, uh, unmarried women, and also working with uh, people who are uh, going to be coming out of um, correctional institutions. So if you could just briefly talk about your work in these areas and uh, what you've been doing. This is an area that I, I guess it goes back to the idea of what the role of business is in society and actually what societal members have as far as relationships one to another. And there are those in society that uh, have been marginalized um, because they don't fit the mold of everyone else. And typically, um, you know, it's kind of the forgotten part of society. And what are we doing as a whole? And I'm not talking about just a handout. I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about um, the ability of those of us in a leadership role to be able to extend a hand and help uh, a guide uh, be there to listen. Everyone has a story and how we can come alongside of folks and help them see for themselves uh, being productive members of society after they've served their time. Um, and, you know, one of the, the interesting things about incarceration is about 95% of people who go to prison do come out. It's not a one-way, you know, the, the door doesn't slam behind and, you know, everyone stays there. They come out again. And, and I, I even find myself kind of it's being very distasteful calling them a they. Uh, but these are people through circumstances different from myself that, you know, made a mistake. Maybe it was intentional, perhaps it was, but now they're coming back out into society and how we can uh, come alongside and uh, give a hand if they ask for help because, you know, there's also the, oh, we want to give you help and you didn't ask us for help. So I, I'm not a fan of that. But uh, dealing with women especially, 
um, to be able to help them see what they cannot see. You know, we all have blind spots, and how can we um, assist or come alongside of uh, folks who would like to be in a position uh, to be mentored um, and uh, to, you know, give them a little bit of a safety net as they return back to society, their families, uh, and uh, help them with skill building, uh, knowledge, and uh, uh, jobs. Well, that's commendable. Now, we only have a couple of minutes left. I have a couple more questions real quick. If you were to recommend two books to our audience to read, what would those books, and be quick, what two books are the most popular books that you think would help others that are listening to the show today? I would say the book that I've held on to for many, many years, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I love that book. I use that book. I teach that book. Um, and then I'm going to give you a funny, weird book uh, that I just finished reading. It's called, and it's actually 20 years old, I think. Uh, it's called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. And it is about, and it's written by Gordon McKenzie, who was an illustrator for Hallmark, and he talked about the corporate entity and how people lose their identity when they go into corporate organizations or corporations, and how you can maintain your identity, understand the culture, but still be your own person. Okay, and real quick, what are you going to do next? you got your PhD, you've got all this great experience, what's next for you? Well, I'm really open to what God has in my life, and I it'll probably continue in education in some form. I plan to uh, work with foster care more here in the community and really give families uh, some needed assistance in ways that uh, government is unable to do. Well, great. Dr. Weber, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. You've been listening to The Mentors. We've been talking about the art and heart of business with Dr. Valerie Weber, who lives in Las Vegas. You can reach her on LinkedIn. If you tuned in late, you can catch this as well as previous shows by going to thementorsradio.com, where you can download free podcasts and find any books that have been discussed on the show. Until next week, on behalf of Rick Brutico, John Phillips, I am Tom Laurie, urging you to be all that you can be and to keep the candle lit for those who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to thementorsradio.com. That's www.thementorsradio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.